0: David said, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I'm glad that David didn't say, I'll rejoice when I feel like it. He said, I'll rejoice no matter how I feel. You have power over your feelings. You know that, church? You and I, we have power over how we feel, which means whether we feel like worshiping or not, we can do it. You don't have to feel it to do it. You don't have to feel like obeying God to obey God. You can override your feelings and say, no matter how I feel, I'm still going to obey. I'm still going to praise. I'm still going to love. I'm still going to forgive. No matter how I feel, I'm still going to church. I'm still going to worship. This year, you can take ground if you'll just take over your feelings. Come on, Jesus. That's powerful. Well, this morning, I want to take just a, a short moment, kind of a commercial before the movie to just share something that I felt like I walked through this past week and I think it's important to share with our church um, because we're in a season right now where the devil would love to divide and conquer. And, and so we've got to be aware of the tactics of the enemy, of how division begins. And we've got to remember, as Christians, we're called to stand united together so that we can advance the kingdom of God and uh, this last week, I had a unique opportunity. I was going to lunch with a, a Christian businessman in our city and another one from our church, Christian businessman. And, and he said, hey, Paul, there's been a change of plans, and I don't know if you're okay with it. But he said, um, I got us an opportunity to go and shake hands and pray for or let him know that we're praying for him, Donald Trump and Sarah Palin. He said, if you'd like to come, there's an opportunity there. And I thought about it. Hold on just one second. I thought about it. Because I know that anytime time you go and pray for anybody or shake anybody's hand, it could send a message to everybody. And I want to be careful to just say, first of all, I'm not endorsing any candidates. I won't tell you who to vote for or who I'm voting for. But I will tell you this, what I'm going to tell you today. I will never turn down an opportunity to pray for any person. I'll never turn down an opportunity to show the love of God to any person. Rich or poor, gay or straight, Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, left or right, we are all precious in his sight. Church, you need to know this year, can we just give God praise right now? (laughs) We're called to love people the way that Jesus has loved us. So I took the opportunity. I shook his hand, told him, we're praying for you. He said, thank you, I need that shook Sarah Palin's hand, and you know, I thought about it. I I would love to shake shake hands with and pray for any candidate, because I think all candidates need prayer. I think right now our nation most of all needs prayer, and no matter who's going to get in office, we need to pray that whoever it is, they're led by the Lord and that their convictions are from the Bible so that our nation can get back on track, because America needs it, And don't tell me the church doesn't belong in this this realm of praying for politics. We absolutely belong in the realm of praying for our politicians and praying for our nation. At the same time, I'm not going to wait for the White House to bring revival to our nation. It starts with us, church. So I posted this picture of praying for him and it stirred up a wild fire of back and forth, people who didn't like it, didn't agree with it, people who misunderstood my motives and uh, it it turned into a lot of strife. And as I was praying about it, I just felt peace in my heart, peace in my heart. I was gonna take the picture down. uh, But here's, here's what God spoke to me. I'm not intimidated by what people say. I'm not living by the fear of man, all right? But I am living under the fear of God. And so when I felt the peace from God to do it, I I did. But here's what I will say is, you know, there could be pictures of me praying for any person. I remember seeing a pastor praying for someone in our nation who was very disliked by a lot of people. And he caught a lot of flack for praying for that person. A prayer does not mean you agree with every single thing a person says or every single thing a person does or every single thing a person votes for. You can still love people that you disagree with. You can still pray for people that you disagree with. And you should love and pray for people that you disagree with. Church, this is Christianity. We are Christians before we are anything else. You and I are a Christian before whatever political party you fall in. So let's put our faith ahead of our politics. Between now and November the 8th, let's avoid the election infection. Let's be careful that we don't get pulled into this infectious disease of constantly getting angry and arguing with all the people that we disagree with. You can love family members in your family that are voting on the other side of the party. You can can pray for people that you disagree with. They need it they need it. So real quickly, three things, just a quick commercial, three things to avoid the election infection. Number one, and this was inspired by a pastor, uh, Andy Stanley, and I kind of wrote down some of the stuff he said, but I wrote down some stuff that I learned from my experience. Number one, never give away your influence unnecessarily. The Bible says that we are the light of the world. We're a city on a hill. We're the salt of the earth, which means that we're called to influence our world. We're called not just to influence America, but the entire world world don't give away influence in an unnecessary way you can still vote but you don't have to get into angry arguments with people that you disagree with ultimately our opinions don't change the nation but our votes do so go up to the polls vote when it's time to vote but when you get into an argument no relationship is worth losing over over an opinion between politics you never you don't want to burn a bridge that you might need to cross one day when I was in college, I got into an argument with a guy who just saw totally different than me on a, on a political issue. And instead of ending the argument and saying, hey, let's just agree to disagree, let's walk in love, we can still be friends, I allowed the argument to escalate, and I missed out on the, the, the grace that God wanted me to be an influence, positive influence in his life. And some of us have seen the effects of a burned bridge, and it's not fun. So I would encourage you, don't give away influence even with your children. You might disagree with your children. You might disagree with your parents. You might disagree with your brother, your sister, your aunt, your uncle, your boss, your employees, your coworker, but keep your influence, keep your stance. I think all of us should have a stance. All of us need a backbone. We all need opinions. Don't lose that. But also, don't allow the opinion to get in front of the person that God's called you to love. Which means my second point, number two, loving God and loving people is more important than proving your point. Loving God and loving people is more important than proving your point. There was a man who ran up to Jesus and he said, what's the most important commandment? And I'm surprised Jesus didn't say, it's to prove your point politically. It's to make sure everybody knows exactly where you stand on the political lines of the cultural situations we're facing. No, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Everything hangs on these two things. Love God, love people. Church, loving God and loving people is more important than proving our points. Still vote, still show up, still hold your stance, but, but put your Christianity ahead of your politics. Put your Christianity in front of your politics. Number three, almost done. I know you guys are like, oh my gosh, can we finish this and get into the rest of it? But this is an important thing. You need this and I need this. Number three, take the lid off of your compassion. Take the lid off of your compassion. It's not up to us to decide who deserves God's love. God's called all of us to love everyone whether we think they, des- we de- they deserve his love or not. So learn to love people the way that Jesus has loved you. How many think there's probably been some times where you weren't lovable, but Jesus still loved you? So let's walk in love, let's show compassion, let's take the lid off, let's show compassion for all races, all people, all political parties, all backgrounds, all situations, even the people who are still practicing the things you disagree with, show them compassion. If you had to walk a mile in their shoes, maybe you might understand why they are the way they are, why they're doing what they're doing, but I'm telling you, church, we should be known for our compassion more than our criticism. I'm done. I love you, church. I hope you love me, too. (laughs) It's okay. If you don't, it's all good. I'll still keep loving. You can't stop me from loving you. All right, let's stand to our feet. We're going to say our victory confession. I'm going to invite my wife up here because she's prettier than me, and she might make you like me more than than me. (laughs) We love you. you. Don't we love our Pastor Paul? I love y'all. But I'm the only one that can do that. All right, let's lead us into a confession. All right, here we go. I'm here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. Let's all hold hands. All right. My heart is, my mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me. And I have victory in my life because Jesus, because Jesus lives in me. Amen. 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 Give somebody a high five. Take ground. Take ground. Hey, you can't take ground if you're always taking offense. If you're waiting for me to start preaching, it already started. You can't take ground if you're always taking offense. Choose this year. I'm not going to take offense. No matter what, I'm not going to get pulled into the election infection. I will not take offense. This morning, I want to talk to you for the next 15 minutes. We're going to go into water baptisms towards the end and a time of worship. Before we do, I want to talk to you for the next minutes about marching even when you don't feel like marching. God told Joshua in Joshua chapter 6 verse 3. He said, Joshua, I want you to march around these walls. You're going to wake up and you're going to march around you're going to march around it day after day. You're going to do it one time each day. But then on the seventh day, you're going to march around it seven times. And he says in verse 4, he says there's going to be seven priests that blow the ram's horns and, and trumpets. And on the seventh day, when you march around seven times and the priests blow the trumpets, verse 5, then you will tell the people they will when the trumpets blow that they will make a great shout. Go ahead and make a shout. And when they shout, the wall of the city will fall down flat and the people of God will go up every man before him to take Jericho. This was a strategy to take ground. Church, God has given you and I a strategy on how to take ground. Notice God didn't say you're going to march once and it's all going to work out. He was saying you're going to do the same thing on a continual basis. Why? Because consistency brings the breakthrough. There's something powerful about doing the right thing day after day after day. See, when you're doing the right routine each day, you're chipping away towards the dream, towards the addiction you're trying to break, towards the habit you're trying to create, towards the relationship you're trying to see uh, mended, towards the marriage, towards the family. If you'll do the right thing on a daily basis, I guarantee you the walls will fall down. But here's the bottom line. We've got to refuse to stop marching. As long as we're breathing, we've got to keep on marching. As long as we're breathing, we've got to keep on marching. If there's breath in your lungs, there's a march to be marched. This is a month of marches. Right? This weekend was the March for Life, marching to protect the sanctity of life that starts in the womb. This month was the March, Martin Luther King Jr. March parade, marching for uh, racism to be broken off our country. And the amazing thing about both of these marches is that we're still marching year after year because we know there's still ground to be taken in our nation in those areas. Right? I mean, how many of y'all think there's still ground to be taken? We still need to see some barriers broken down racially in our country. Yeah. We still need to see just the protection of life in our country. The unborn babies. We've got to decide that no matter what I see in the natural, I'm going to keep on marching. God told Joshua, if you're going to take Jericho, you're going to have to get resolute in your heart. I will not stop marching till the walls fall down. If I want to see breakthrough, if I want to see freedom from pornography, freedom from self-hatred, if I want to have a better marriage and I want to get debt free, I've got to refuse to stop marching. I'm convinced that the only people who lose are the people who quit. If you don't quit, you'll win. If you don't throw in the towel, you'll win. If you just stick with it, keep on marching. So I think there's three things that God was speaking to Joshua in this passage about marching. Number one, marching requires perseverance. Marching requires a spirit of perseverance. To persevere means to push through, to continue against all odds in the face of difficulty or with no prospect of success. Come hell or high water, I'm going to persevere. No matter what I see in the natural, I'm going to persevere. I'm reminded of the salmon that swim from the Pacific Ocean back to the streams in the North Pacific rivers and streams where they first originated from. These salmon, they're they're hatched in an egg and they travel through the streams and rivers out into the Pacific Ocean where they live for two to four years. And then they get this sense that it's time to return home. And as they get ready to come back, they have to face all the odds against them. The current is coming against them. For 2,000 miles, these salmon will travel against the current. Silt coming against them, trying to push them back. The, The woods and then sharks that are trying to get them before they get into the rivers. And whales and then sea lions. And then you've got the bald eagles when they get into the rivers looking for that fish. And then you've got bears as they get closer towards those shallow streams looking for them. And yet the salmon refuse to quit going. They decide, I'm going to keep going. In fact, they say that salmon can, can swim upstream, yes, 2,000 miles, but even up waterfalls up to 2,000 feet. They're going up waterfalls, not down, up. How, how do you do that? But I think it's a picture of creation that God's showing you and I, that no matter what we're facing in your marriage, in your family, in your health, you can keep on marching you can refuse to quit. You can say, you know what? I'm not stopping. As long as I'm breathing, I'm going to keep on believing. As long as I'm breathing, I'm going to keep on walking. As long as I'm breathing, I'm circling Jericho. Whether it's to see your kids come back to God. Whether it's to see your husband get right with God. Whether it's to see your wife come back to your marriage. Whether it's to see your kids get saved. Or whether it's to get college tuition paid for. Whether it's to graduate something in your life for the first time in your family. To be the only graduate. Whatever it is is don't stop marching. Ephesians 1 verse 3 says that we've been given every spiritual blessing in heaven. God's given all of it to us, but we've got to march to see it come to pass. We've got to march to get that joy that he's promised us, that peace. We've got to march, we got to push through even when you don't feel like it, even when you don't feel like walking in forgiveness. That's a gift that God's given you. Another picture of perseverance is the grass that grows through the concrete. Have you ever seen this in your driveway, maybe in your neighborhood, where you live? Grass that breaks through the concrete that's growing right through those little cracks. This is in our driveway. It's amazing how grass actually has the power to break concrete. Literally, botanists have figured this out that grass has the power to break through layers of concrete. Year after year, here's what happens the roots beneath the ground are giving the power to that little blade of grass that just keeps going until the cement cracks and it begins to surface through. And it can eventually create an entire uh, huge bed of lush green grass that is growing through the concrete. And I came across this poem that somebody wrote called God Bless the Grass that grows through concrete. I want to share it with you. This is what he said. He said, God bless the grass that grows through concrete. It's green and it's tender and it's easily, or no, here's here's what he says. God bless the grass that grows through cement. It's green and it's tender and it's easily bent. But after a while, it lifts up its head for the grass is living and the stone is dead. God bless the grass that's gentle and low. Its roots, they are deep and its will is to grow. God bless the grass that grows through the cracks. They pour concrete over it to try and hold it back. The concrete gets tired of what it has to do. It breaks and it buckles and the grass grows through. Yes, God bless the grass. Isn't that powerful? I got so inspired reading that poem, I thought, I'm going to write my own poem. I think I'm a poetist. And so I spent some time, a poet, I I spent some time writing a poem. How many of y'all want to hear my poem? I was going to read it even if you didn't want to hear it. I think it's inspired by God. When I was writing it, I started getting tears in my eyes because I think there's power when you start imagining what this looks like with your life. So the title of my poem is God Bless the Concrete. God blessed the concrete that was laid over me, for it caused me to see I was born to break free. Yes, the concrete brought me to God on my knees, for power to rise above that which tried to bury me. See, when they rolled the stone over Jesus that day, Satan thought he had beat Jesus in the grave. But there's nothing strong enough to hold our God in defeat, and he proved once and for all he was Lord over concrete. So if you feel like you're buried and concrete has been laid, remember Jesus is power when he rose from the grave and when you see grass growing through the concrete, maybe God placed it as a reminder to say you got the victory. the victory over whatever you're facing. You got the victory over every addiction. You got the victory over every depression. You got victory over every negative thing that the devil's tried to put on top of you. Step on top of it. Break through it. I used to get mad whenever there was obstacles in my way, but now I get excited cuz it's a chance to prove my God's greater than the concrete. He's greater than the lids. He's greater than the ceilings. He's greater than the limits. Our God is able. He's stronger. Don't let the wall intimidate you from your dream. He's saying this is your year to take ground. Break the concrete. Break the concrete. When I get really excited, I breathe real heavy in the microphone. Church, we're going to break some concrete this year. I see us breaking concrete in the 11 a.m. service, all the way up in the top. I see us breaking concrete over here. I see us breaking concrete in the children's church. I see us breaking concrete in the youth group. See, the devil would love to say, I've taken your generation. You can't do anything about it. But there's a church in Tulsa, Oklahoma, that's decided like the grass breaks through the concrete. No, you don't, Satan. No, you don't. We're not backing down. We're not staying defeated. We serve a God who rose from the grave on the third day, and we're going to break through. We're going to take back our nation and our world for Jesus Christ. We're going to advance the kingdom of God. We're not going to get divided and defined by where we stand politically. We're going to get united under the name above all names. And at that name, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Church, we are united together under Jesus before anything else. This year, it's, it's time for us to persevere, to take ground. Number two, marching requires faith. Paul told Timothy, 2 Timothy 4, verse 7, he said, I fought the good fight of faith. I finished my race. I kept the faith. Paul went through a lot of hardships, a lot of trouble, a lot of difficulty, but he kept the faith. Church, no matter what you face, keep the faith. If you lose your job, keep the faith. If you lose the scholarship... Keep the faith. If your spouse walks out on you, keep the faith. If you have to bury your child, keep the faith. If the sickness just grows bigger, keep the faith. There's something powerful about keeping the faith no matter what you face. Something powerful about it. It's not just for you. It's for the people that one day are going to be affected by your faith. The generations that watched Joshua, I'm sure there were a lot of people that tried to talk Joshua out of marching around those walls. I'm sure there were a lot of people who tried to talk Martin Luther King Jr. out of marching where he marched. Hey, hey, don't march. It's not worth it. Nothing's going to change. We won't see anything. Just stop. Just throw in the towel. But there's something powerful about keeping the faith regardless of what you see and the natural. Paul said, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7, we walk by faith and not by sight. In other words, our march is not determined by the natural progress that we see. Our march. Wouldn't it be nice if every time the Israelites marched around the wall, if just a few stones fell off, if God just said, hey, it's working. How do you keep walking when nothing's working? Think about it. These guys marched around the same wall and not a stone fell off for seven days. And they didn't know how long this was gonna last. Joshua knew, but Joshua never told the men how many times they were gonna have to march. All he said was get to marching. So here these guys are just trying to imagine how long is it gonna take? How long do I have to stay single and watch all my friends get engaged? How long do I have to wait to get married? How long do I have to wait to finally graduate college? How long do I have to wait for my marriage to finally get healthy? How long do I have to wait for my son to come back to church? How long, wouldn't it be nice if we just knew how long it was gonna be? If we just knew when the final lap was gonna be? Like in NASCAR, they, 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 they announced the last lap. They get out the white flag and they say, this is the last lap. But in life, we don't know when the last lap is. So we gotta keep marching as long as we're breathing, because sooner or later, the walls are going to fall down. And once they do, God says, now there's another march. Because as long as you're breathing, there's a march to be marched. As long as you're living, God says, keep on marching. Keep the faith. Keep on fighting. Keep on walking. Keep on praying. Don't let fear stop you. Don't let shame stop you. Don't let what the critics say stop you. Don't let what the devil said stop you. You just keep on marching. Keep the faith no matter what comes your way. We got to be careful that we don't raise our white flag Just because we don't see the miracle yet. That we don't surrender and say, I'm done. Not a stone has fallen off. And I've been marching this march for a long time. I'm settling. I can't keep waiting for this breakthrough. I can't keep waiting for the right person to come along. I'm just going to stop. I'm going to settle. Church, you've got to make. This is a message not just for people in the present. This is a message prophetically for people that are going to watch this. And you who are going to need to remember this message six months from now. Because some of us in this room, we're fine. We're marching. We're strong. We're excited. It's January 24th. Some of us, you know, we're kind of waning on some of the goals that we wrote down to take ground in. We're almost kind of saying, maybe I should just accept this addiction. Maybe I should just accept this bad habit. You need this message. But some of us in this room won't actually need this message until five, six months from now, maybe two months from now. And this is why God told me to say, because if you're going to take ground this year, you're going to have to become resolute that I will not, I will not, I will not stop marching till the walls come down. I'm going to keep on marching till the walls come down. I'm going to keep on marching till the walls come down. The last point is this, marching requires praise. The Israelites, Joshua said, I want you to shout. But think about it. They weren't shouting because the walls had come down yet. Nothing had changed. Joshua said, we're going to march and then we're going to shout. And think about what's going through the minds of these Israelites going, but Joshua, nothing's changed. Nothing's happened yet. Joshua's saying, don't go by what you see. Don't go by what you feel. You got to shout by faith. You got to worship and praise by faith. You got to come to church by faith. You got to speak by faith. You got to live by faith. You got to walk by faith. Church this year, come on, all over this room, let's stand. Can we take a shout praise break for a second? Just give God praise this morning. Walls are coming down. I know this is new to some of y'all in the room because you didn't grow up in a church that shouts, jumps, lifts their hands. But let me just assure you, this is nothing weird. This is what happened in the Bible when God got in the middle of the people. He said, don't let your conservatism stop you from shouting. Don't let the silent people around you stop you from worshiping. You're going to have to shout to see the walls come down church all across this room with heads bowed eyes closed I believe that some of us are facing things that we don't know how we're going to see the breakthrough But see a march is about perspiration it's about putting to work the things that you know on Monday when you don't have the inspiration You're going to have to get some perspiration. You're going to have to get some sweat. Go out there and work the thing that God's called you to do. Go out there and just say, I'm not stopping. I'm not quitting. I'm going to show up to my workplace even when I don't feel like it. I'm going to witness. I'm going to love my family even when I don't feel like it. I'm going to forgive the people that hurt me even when I don't feel like it. I'm going to keep praying even when I don't see results. I'm going to keep standing even when things don't turn around. I'm going to keep worshiping even when I have to do the thing I didn't want to do. Do. Lord, I thank you this morning. You're giving us power over our feelings, power, God, over the enemy. Lord, that we refuse to quit this year. We refuse to give up our faith. We refuse to hand over our praise. We refuse to lay down our flag. Lord, that this year we choose. I'm going to keep on marching in Jesus' name.